0: Welcome to Non Duality. I'm Jerry Katz. It's June 20th, 2017. My guest is Mark Ross. Mark lives in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada, where he facilitates gatherings, and we'll find out what else he does. Mark also offers satsang guidance and meditations. He can be contacted through his website, awake2infinity.com. Welcome, Mark. Hello. <laughs> So how how did you uh, how did the reality of reality become known to you? What's your story?
1: How did the reality of reality become known? Well, I th- I think it starts out like you know a lot of other seekers on the on the path, so to speak, you know, initially coming to I don't know a deeper recognition of something that maybe previously was I was unaware of. Um, you know, coming to it through an intense amount of suffering. So when I was in my mid-twenties, it lasted about three years, um, I went through a, a, you know, very intense period of of depression and uh, anxiety and was experiencing a lot of panic attacks, these sort of things. And, you know, a way of, I guess you could say, of coping with the intensity of that suffering was I started using a lot of alcohol, I started drinking quite a bit. And, you know, the, I wasn't aware of it at the time. But, you know, what I was seeking um, was just relief, right? It's like I'd wake up every day with this, you know, incredibly uh, tense knot uh, in, my, in my gut, and in my solar plexus. And I found that whenever I would drink, usually after the first beer or two, there would be this sort of Relaxing or this sort of releasing that would happen, and I would feel I would just feel a little bit better. Mm. But uh, as I, you know, continued to engage, obviously, it was very, uh, very bad for my health. Um, when it was around, tw- you know, my 29, something like this. Um, you know the relief that I was getting from drinking all day, and literally it was that I would wake up in the morning and I would just start scrounging for change, that kind of stuff, to uh, to just so I could go down to the beer store, or to the LCBO, and and buy something, you know, just to sort of get me through the day. And uh, you know, I think it was, you know, at a certain point, what I realized was the the alcohol just stopped working, you know, and I was using a little bit of drugs and stuff like that at the time. And the relief that I was seeking and the relief that I, you know, I guess I could say I was, I was getting uh, from using completely bottomed out. And I wasn't able to sort of to get that, what I was looking for. And it was at that point that this, you know, uh, really intense panic uh, set in, you know, where I was like, well, the, the crutch, the thing that's sort of getting me through my day is no longer functioning anymore. And so this sort of feeling of, well... If this is the best that life has to offer um, you know I don't really want any part of it anymore you know I don't I don't want to be here and it's interesting because like I found like I've done martial arts ever since I was a little boy and you know for me martial arts was a incredibly beautiful companion throughout my life and I always found it you know sort of tapped me into I don't know this feeling of possibility or potentiality I don't really know how to explain it but it was always there was always such a beautiful feeling you know sort of bubbling up from inside and you know i remember feeling like especially in my when i was i don't know like 16 17 i did a little bit of traveling you know there was just this this feeling of of being on the edge of life you know like anything can happen you know and as i was saying as i started to grow up a bit more and i'm getting into my 20s and then moving into my 30s this just this sense of Dread, you know, I don't know how else to explain it, but it was like a sense of existential dread started to sort of descend upon my life. It felt like, a, you know, as some have said, it's like a, you're walking around with like a, a very dense, thick cloud over your head all the time. And, you know, as I was saying, when, you know, what I was using to get relief from that no longer worked, uh, there was just a sense of, you know, I want to end my life. And so I went through about a three-month period where I didn't sleep. My nervous system was just amped up continuously. Like from the moment I would wake up in the morning, there was just this sense of uh, very frenetic energy, you know, just shaking constantly. And, um, you know, my mind was, you know, constantly ruminating about ways to sort of, you know, exit this, uh, you know, level of reality, so to speak. And uh, I I was seeing a girl in Toronto at the time, and I used to, I used to go up on weekends to go visit her, and I remember waking up one morning, and it was a beautiful summer morning, you know, very sunny out, and I remember distinctly hearing uh, birds chirping outside of my window, and, you know, normally you'd wake up to such a beautiful, you know, environment or atmosphere or whatever, and, you know, it's it's great, it's a beautiful day, and I remember just feeling utter contempt and disdain, even for the, the birds chirping outside of my window, and there's this, you know, feeling like, okay, this, this is it. You know, this is my last weekend. I'm going to drive up to Toronto, you know, spend, spend a couple of days with my, with my partner. And when I get back to Peterborough, I'm going to, I'm going to end things, you know, this is it. And I think it's important to note that throughout that, you know, three year period of, of, you know, just call it like intense suffering. Um, you know it was it was marked by just incessant thinking like my mind was never turned off You know, it was, it was just thousands and thousands of thoughts and you know most of them were You know, I would say like the, the general feeling was just just intense negativity and fear and and anxiety and stuff like that and you know I didn't know it at the time, but I, I was I wanted relief from that voice in a sense and so you know, getting back to this visit to Toronto, I spent the weekend there, Um, you know, emotionally, obviously, it was incredibly taxing. And, I never really shared, you know, sort of what I was going through with anyone close to me other than they just knew that I, I wasn't in a particularly good state. I never really shared the content of what was arising in my mind with anybody or the intensity of the, you know, sensations and, and emotions that were, were running through my body nonstop. Uh, it was something I kept very private to myself. And uh, on Monday morning, my partner was a school teacher, so, you know, we got up and, we uh, said our goodbyes and she went off to work and I hopped in my, I think I was driving a Dodge Neon at the time. I got in my Dodge Neon and uh, I drove up to the 401 and, you know, I was I was just sobbing actually. You know, as soon as she left, I just, it was like uncontrollable, you know, just uncontrollable sobbing. You know, there was this sense that I was heading back to Peterborough to, to basically die. And uh, I was driving for about 15 minutes or so and I was passing through around Scarborough. And it was like, one moment, it was just this, you know, awful feeling inside. And then the next moment, it was like, my mind just stopped, you know, it was like all thought activity just vanished. And, um, you know, the way I've described it before, in that moment when, you know, there was just like the absence of all mental activity, at least as far as I was able to perceive in that moment, it was like my nervous system took this huge out breath and I felt an incredible sense of relaxation uh, relief and uh, a lightness inside which I hadn't experienced for for a really really long time and the interesting thing is that in that moment um, I I remember having that same experience when I was a little boy I was like seven or eight years old and I remember uh, being in a grocery store with my mom and I was coming around the one aisle and it was like everything just disappeared and it felt like the little boy that was standing there in the middle of a grocery store disappeared and there was just it was like something else was sort of gazing or looking out from from behind you know the eyes of this this little kid and I remember feeling this you know incredible sense of expansion and and it was very euphoric um you know and I remember like the feel, you know this my sense of time disappeared and and I remember like specifically the 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 you know concept of like relative size so things being either big or small sort of didn't really make sense you know it's like i I remember walking out into the parking lot and like looking at the sky which you know before appeared so big so vast so infinite and it seemed you know infinitesimal it seemed tiny and then i remember specifically looking at my thumbnail and it looking like it was the size of the entire the entire universe you know this kind of thing and so when I, you know, getting back to that experience on the highway, um, you know, that was that experience. It was like, there was just, it felt like there was something else sort of having that moment, you know, and of course I can say as I, you know, started to, you know, I guess deepen in some understanding, I could say that that, what that was is me, but at the time it felt like something that wasn't me initially. Right. But, um, you know, I, I remember, and I was still driving, I was, you know, going about 100 kilometers an hour on the highway and just feeling this, you know, uh, yeah, I guess the best way to describe it is just this beautiful lightness inside. And that lasted for probably about two or three minutes. And then a voice um, sort of, I guess, like rose up from the depths, you know, I don't not, not to sound too poetic or anything, but it just was like a very quiet voice that said, it's time to stop running. And I was like, Mm. oh, oh shit, you know, it's like, I realized in that moment that pretty much my whole life, I'd I'd been running away from myself, you know, I'd been running away, I I didn't have the, I guess, resources or the capacity at that time to really look at my mind. And, you know, I was in a constant struggle to try to maintain some image that I believe would maybe bring me some love. I, I, I don't really know. But, you know, it was just it was like a, you know, sort of like this gentle encouragement from within to just stop, like just stop all the running. And uh, I remember, um, you know, there's that feeling of wanting to end my life disappeared. You know, it was, I've described it before, it was this sense of like, it was like the universe or or God, or or again, it's like, I, I don't think the words really matter, but it was this just, it was like something was showing me another possibility. So it was like, you know, you've been living this, way for like a really long time and it's caused nothing but you know a lot of suffering for yourself and the people close to you and you know now it was like well here's another possibility and it felt like you know that in that moment there was a choice you know and I I remember you know years before that um even my parents had sent me to see a psychologist you know because they could see that uh, I was going through some some difficulties and um I wasn't ready to do the work. You know, it was sort of like I was going to go to the psychologist, sit down in front of her and just sort of like abdicate my authority and say, okay, lady, fix me. And, you know, of course, there just wasn't a willingness somehow to change or or an availability or an openness. But in this moment that, you know, I guess I could say just spontaneously opened up or, or descended upon me in that moment on the highway, there was this, all of a sudden it was like, I'm I'm ready. Something there's like a readiness here. I don't know what it's going to look like. I have no idea, you know how this is going to play out. But I'm I'm just ready. And the first person I called actually when I got back to Peterborough was the psychologist I had seen years before, and uh, I got in, you know, a couple days later, and I it's like I finally gave voice to everything that I was willing to, or sorry, unwilling to admit to myself for years, I was finally able to tell a person. And it was like, uh, you know, in a way, it was like unloading the content of my my mind to a person that was able to, to hold space for that. And, you know, there was an incredible amount of relief and healing somehow in that. And that was sort of the, the beginning. And, you know, she gave me a book called uh, Brain Lock. And it was, Uh, sort of a a four-step process it's like a a clinical approach um, to uh, mindfulness meditation that was sort of the beginning and you know there would be these four steps that you would go through each time you would have an intrusive thought that you know was causing some discord in in the experience and that was sort of the beginning of uh, uh, I guess I could say like a small but committed meditation practice it was like you know, uh, I guess following these instructions, it didn't seem like sort of a like a hobby, like something that I was going to sort of take haphazardly, but it was like it was a matter of life and death, and I could see, you know, in a very short period of time, you know, uh, with the commitment to apply the steps, um, I was actually starting to get relief, and and I was starting to feel a little bit more at ease, and you know, I I remember something inside wanted more. And I remember finding myself, you know, sort of drawn to, to bookstores, used bookstores, um, you know, in particular. And I remember I kept seeing a copy of The Power of Now just kept popping up everywhere I'd go. You know, it's like, it's like my hand would almost go out to the, you know, into the bookshelf. And I would just pull this copy. And I remember feeling like, you know, who the heck is this guy, Eckhart Tolle? Like, I don't, like, you know, I'm looking at this picture, like, it's, you know, lots of judgments coming up and stuff like that. But it happened like that for a couple of weeks. I go to a friend's house and they'd have a copy of the book sitting on their coffee table. And then I remember finally I picked it up and, you know, I, I read a story and I, I felt like a deep resonance with that. And I remember looking at the first chapter of the book, You Are Not Your Mind. And I, it was the first time I'd ever heard it framed like that before, and something inside just like lit up like this huge yes. It's like I know that to be true, and I started to, I started reading his book, and, and like I said, I could feel each time I, I was reading the words, you know, there was this, um, it's like I could feel the power in his words somehow. I could feel there was there was something, you know, within in my own inner experience that was deeply resonating with that. And, you know, so I, I started reading quite a bit and, and um, I found myself picking up and finding other authors, uh, particularly I remember reading some stuff from Adyashanti, just finding some books. Um, and uh, I started watching some videos on, on YouTube and all of a sudden I found myself almost feeling like consumed by this, you know, it's like every time I'd listen to one of these teachers talk you know, that that same sense of relief and lightness and ease would, would start to open up into my experience. And in a very short period of time, um, I had been listening to, I think, Ajishanti, you know, the the sort of popular non-dual teachers right now, like Gangaji and Ajishanti. And I remember watching an Ajishanti video one time, and I remember in the recommended video section on the right-hand side of the screen, I, I saw Muji's face pop up. And... Um, I don't know, something Mm. drew me to click on it and as soon as I heard him speak something inside, just like, there's just this feeling like this man, you know, whoever he is, it's like, he's my teacher. I don't know. It's like there was just a knowing, I guess. And uh, I started to listen, you know, it's like all the other things and and teachers I was listening to at that time, I kind of put them aside and there was just, um, I don't know, somehow there was like this inner commitment to listening to, to what he had to express or to you know, to listen to his way of expressing it. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. And, um, yeah, so I was, as I was saying, listening to quite quite some time. You know, it was like hours every day. I'd be just sitting listening to satsang for like four or five hours a day. It was, you know, it's like even uh, the, the desire to go out and be very social at that time started to kind of fall away a little bit. And there was just, just an enjoyment of sort of being with myself, which I don't think I'd ever really done before up to that point, like to just just be on my own, be alone. And uh, a few years after that, I, I ended up having an opportunity to go and see him in Spain for a seven-day retreat and, um, you know, just sort of beautiful insights. You know, he often says it's like, as you listen to the teaching, it's like he's planting ticking time bombs of insight in the beingness. And, you know, it's like you may have heard something and I mean, that sort of seems to be a hallmark of Advaita teachings is they're very repetitious, you know, it's like, it's almost like you're hearing the same thing in a sense over and over and over again. But it's like when there's a, I don't know, somehow like the there's a readiness, you know, that I don't know that you can ever bring about that readiness, it just sort of happens. It's like something that you may have been hearing for years, all of a sudden just it's like it explodes inside and it's just like a a great flash of insight. So, yeah, that's the story sort of in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, one expression that stands out from where you said your nervous system, it was as though your nervous system took an outbreath. Yeah. And then at that, with, that, with that, everything turned around. Yeah. Um, but you had to take it to the point of where you were you know, suicidal.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, it seems, seems that way.
0: And you can't recommend anyone take that path. That's not a path. No. Unless it unfolds, you know, naturally. Um not doesn't sound too desirable. But uh, looking back, is there um how does it look now, the whole thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like you hear a lot of people who you know, who have experienced a lot of, you know, intense personal suffering and and if um you know, it's like later on it's like you can look back in retrospect and say that was the best damn thing that ever happened to me, you know, and as it's like when I was going through that, um, you know, of course, it's like I, I, the only thing I wanted was out and I couldn't see sort of what, you know, you know, if it was serving some purpose, I didn't have the insight or the, the space inside to be able to look at it objectively. It was just like, holy shit, this is just terrible. And I want out, you know, but then I look back that happened, you know, I'll be 36 this year and that sort of that initial flash, so to speak, happened at 29 and it's like I can look back now and it's like I have nothing but absolute gratitude for that time and um, I would say it gives me a deeper appreciation for for my life as it is unfolding now.
0: So you say that um, you have gratitude for that time and you said, um, you use the word best, was the best thing that could have happened. So what's at the root of of bestness?
1: It's at the root of bestness. I think, um, you know, it's like going through that period of time. um, It's like if anybody had come to me and said, hey, you know, have you practiced meditation or, you know, you try this, it'll make your life a little bit better. It's like for some reason um, there just wasn't an availability. It's like even if I think Muji had walked into my life at 28, you know, and said, I can I can point you to this thing which is always here. It's always available. Its inherent nature is is um, is peaceful. It's in a state of perfect acceptance. Like this kind of thing. I didn't have the capacity to hear that at that time, and so it's like I it's like I had to go through those hardships, you know, to I guess in a sense to crack me open to sort of a a, a deeper possibility, right? And so looking at it now, it's like, um, and comparing, I guess, in a sense to how things are now to then it's like, it it was the best thing that happened because it wouldn't have brought me to any deeper understanding. I think I would have continued to sort of living either very, I don't know, mediocre existence, um, you know, or, or I would have killed myself.
0: Yeah, I guess what I'm asking is like what drives it all? What drives it all? What's at the root of all of that? What
1: you know, to tell you the truth it all? I don't know.
0: Or is it even all happening really?
1: It that's, you know, it's it's interesting. It's like I reflect on that often and you know, it's like early in the in the journey, you know, it feels like you know there is a very distinct sense of choice I'm choosing to sit and meditate I'm choosing to sit to listen to these teachings I'm choosing to call the psychologist and to sit and to express all of this stuff that's going on inside of me and it's like you know it feels like yes I'm I'm there doing all of that and it's like as things have continued to unfold it's like I often question it's like you know how much how much of that was was really in my control how much of that was I really orchestrating and it's like it just seems it just feels like none of it. It was just, it just happened the way it happened, you know, and it was like the expression was in a sense sort of taken for this, this ride and, you know, certain, I don't know, there were just certain moments that appeared sort of as crossroads where it felt like you could go left or right and something kept, you know, moving in a particular way. And as I was saying, there was just an availability more than anything to, it was like, you know, I think, Mm. you know because like I had no training in in spirituality you know I had no religious background nothing like that it was just there was just this feeling that every time you know I would engage listening to a particular teaching or or engaging in a certain practice at that time there was I could feel like something inside feeling very resonant or light or aligned I don't know if that's the best way to express it and something just said continue, you know, it was like a feeling, continue moving in that direction. And, you know, it just feels like, you know, maybe one way of looking at it is just say it's been the heart that's been guiding this journey from day one.
0: Yeah. I'm not even going to ask what the heart is, but you can, can, you know. um, (laughs) So you mentioned when you were like seven, you had this experience, but you never you didn't remember it until the experience started of repeated when you were, you know, on that drive. Yeah. Um, but you never remember, all during all your hardship and all your hard times and seeking liquor and, and drugs and whatever and depression, you never ever once recalled it and, and looked at, I mean, because wasn't that experience really couldn't, I mean, if you uh, looked back at that experience and went deeply into it, w- would that be a replacement for Eckhart Tolle and Muji and all those people.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I found like I'd had those experiences intermittently up until I was probably about sixteen or seventeen, but I remember as I started to transition into my twenties, it like, you know, I think there was a there's a memory of the feeling, but there was um, it was almost like I didn't have
0: access to it or something. how if you were going back i mean yeah. hypothetically mm-hmm. because i think everything's i don't think anyone needs any of these gurus they're they're there for you know to point or to assist or to remind yes. us yes um or just because they say things so well you know you want to just want to hear it yes to clarify your own understanding but let's say um all you did was focus on those experiences that you did have at age seven and at various times up to, up to age 16. Now you said you didn't or implied that you didn't know how to access that, mm-hmm. the depth of that experience, but what if you had no other choice? I mean, could you have,
1: how would you well, do Well, I think like if, if I had been able to, if that, I don't know, faculty or capacity had been there just to be, it would have, it's done. It's, it's done now. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is it. It's, you know, and, and, you know, it's like on one level, you know, I'll agree. It's it's like, you know, it's easy to definitely to get caught within the, the trap of following a particular teacher and believing that particular teacher has what you're looking for and has the answer. But it's like, you know, at a certain point, it's like there is no step to where we are. It's just here. You know, and I can say, comparatively speaking, from those experiences I had as a as a little kid, you know, and into my teenage years, the experience as I'm, you know, experiencing myself, so to speak, right now, it's the same. It's just this. It's simple. It's just this. It's just here.
0: I'm not asking to go back and recall that time and to try to relive it for for your benefit or something, but for someone who's listening who may say, Hey, I remember a time. Yeah. Um yeah. what would you say to that person should they go seek out a famous guru or again I don't want to use the word should. I mean talk, generally speaking just talk about what if a person remembers a time when they were a kid and 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 they start to value it again. How do you yeah. think someone should uh, or could uh, renew their relationship with that past experience? I would say Or or would it be better to just go, you know, look up uh Idea Shanti?
1: Yeah, it's I mean, each person's path is going to be, you know, uniquely different for that individual. It it depends if they're able to, you know, if I could say if that individual has expressed that they've had that experience, you know, my encouragement would be to sit, sit quietly with it. Just sit quietly with it. Don't engage so much thinking if, if that's possible. Uh, sit very spaciously, just relax your attention, and, and you know there can even be a sense of recalling that memory and being able to sort of tune into that feeling, tone, or that sense, and that that in and of itself may may trigger a realization or or the the recognition of the simplicity of that. Like I know for myself, um, it just seemed like there was such a heavy investment in the identity of that of this individual that. I needed to listen to somebody just keep saying stop doing that in a sense and, and you know investigate the one who seems to be suffering this experience. And in my in my uh, you know relationship to, to various teachers and, and you know different practices, that seemed to work for a time. You know, and I have to say at a certain point, you know, even the the concept of having to practice this started to seem quite redundant you know even to have to carry out some some very focused inquiry it was like there's 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 no step even to start to ask the question seems like a step away from what's always effortlessly present in here right but again i think you know i don't know if i'm answering your question sufficiently or not but it just seems like um, you know as i said each person's path is going to be different and if it resonates to listen to a person because you know they're too Seem to be too wrapped up in in what's appearing in their minds. It may be helpful to sit with a teacher for some time, right? For others, maybe it's enough just to hear, just stop, just be still, be quiet for a few moments, and it maybe opens up the possibility, like an invitation to recognize just what's what's here.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes makes sense to me, and um, and the teachers are always available to anyone and everyone. Um, no matter how enlightened you feel you may be, um, they're still worth uh, spending time with. Yeah. Um, there's no no limit to that. Um, I don't think. I well, have a great story. So what do you do these days? You, I know you facilitate groups. Tell me about your activities. What's it yeah. like? What's it like? Now you you bring speakers in. And yeah. uh, what's that like?
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. After I. Had spent some time with Muji in uh, in Spain initially when he was leading that retreat. I came back and uh, I was sort of on fire, so to speak, for a satsang. I just I did. I wanted to listen to some more teachers that were were seemed to be pointing this thing out. And uh, I remember going on a website. There used to be a fellow in Toronto. Uh, who ran a, a really beautiful space, it was called the Inner Garden, and he used to host uh, various non-dual teachers, amongst other things there. I think he used to have like uh, host kirtans, and and Sufi whirling dervishes, and all this kind of interesting stuff. And uh, I remember going on the website and seeing, um, he had a talk with Paul Hederman. And I was like, oh, okay, this is cool, this is Paul Hederman's doing the satsang. And I remember going up to, to listen to him, and I mean, Paul is such an interesting fellow. I mean, you know, I just come back from seeing you know a, a a guru, you know, with all of the the regalia around all of that, and then I see Paul Hederman walk into the room, and you know, he's just got like a pair of you know ripped jeans and like a you know you know rock and rocker t-shirt on, and you know, his long hair, and he's just kind of just doesn't doesn't care in a way. He's not holding up any particular image. He's just you know uh, he is what you see. He is you know you get what you see sort of thing, and. I remember listening to him, and it, again, it was just like you know, really, really resonating with his message. Very direct and and simple. And you know, I remember feeling when I got back to Peter, but it was super cool to be able to to bring you know people like Paul and and eventually later on, a year or two later, I met Jack O'Keefe, and and I thought it'd be really neat to to just bring these people into the community that I that's here, and you know, have them maybe run some some satsa or some talks or workshops or whatever, and. That sort of idea popped up and sat with it for quite some time and and actually about I think it was a year and a half or two years ago uh, the fellow that ran the inner garden called me up and said you know Paul's coming back to Toronto would you be interested in hosting him in Peterborough and I thought oh this would be amazing That's, you know I felt there was not some inspiration to do that uh, sometime before that so I said like, yeah let's do it up and and that sort of that was the Paul was the first person that I hosted in Peterborough and a lot of people really seemed to to jive with what he had to share and. I think, and Peterborough's not a very big place, like, we've got, like, it's like 80,000 people here, and, you know, over 50 people showed up for Paul's satsang which was, was very surprising for me at the time. I thought maybe we have a small group of people, something very intimate, but a lot of people seemed to be uh, to into what he was sharing, and I've had him back, I think, he just left a couple of days ago, I think that was his third visit to Peterborough, and uh, we just hosted Jack O'Keefe about, a, I think, a couple, two months ago, or something like that, and... Yeah, there seems to be uh, folks here that that really seem to be enjoying what's what's being shared. And I uh, I was in India actually in February and I I got back in late March and I uh, February sorry back in late April and uh, I moved back into uh, I have a little one bedroom apartment in East City and while I was in India I remember just sort of feeling some inspiration to to want to be able to sort of open up a space where people could come, you know, regularly just to sit. You know, it's like there's not a, a lot in terms of a teaching being offered, but, you know, it's just space for people to come and, and, and just sit quietly and, and uh, sort of a space that's, uh, you know, in a way, you know, dedicated to this type of looking or introspection. And so I offer um, uh, five groups a week in town. Uh, just you know, we sit for about an hour. Sometimes some guidance comes through. People ask some questions, and and uh, it's a good time had by all. <laughs> it
0: so- sounds great. I mean, people <clears throat> people can hear you speaking, and uh, you know they can know if they want to align with you. I mean, my initial interaction was with you is that I needed some information, yeah. and um, I knew you had the imp- had access to the information, and you got back to me. Um, pr- uh, promptly and um, and assisted me so and um, to me that's what non-duality culture is about it's just all the people interacting and yeah. um, yes. you know, interacting in a, in a you know a positive way and uh, helping each other so um, you're definitely part of that and that's why I've interviewed you so um I'm going to close out the interview. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I'm, no, going, to, I'm I, going to give you further, I'm going to give you your website and stuff, but anything else you'd like to say?
1: Yeah, no, I, you know, just want to thank you. I really appreciate you reaching out and yeah, it's, it's been wonderful chatting with you, Jerry.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate talking and getting to know you, Mark, and enjoy your story and mainly your work, like what you're doing.
1: Yeah. No, so. Feels, feels good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been talking to Mark Ross. Mark's website and contact point is a week to infinity.com. Mark writes on his website, the intention of my sharing has no agenda to convince anybody of anything. It is simply to explore and reveal the possibility that within the realm of this human incarnation, we don't have to be slaves to our thoughts. And Mark writes that the grace of this discovery is knowing that all of our human messiness is held loving, lovingly in a space which only knows peace and acceptance. Again, Mark's contact point is awake to infinity.com. Thank you, Mark.
1: Thank you so much, Jerry. Have a wonderful day.
0: You've been listening to non-duality. I'm Jerry Katz.